Welcome into No Pun Intended, presented by Club Fantasy. I am your host, Joe Zolo, and this is week numero dos of live streaming on our Wednesday nights for our recordings. Again, if you are listening to the podcast or listening on 97.3 Sunshine Jams, you want to watch us, you can actually interact with us, type in comments, we can answer any of your questions live, whether it be Periscope, YouTube Live, Twitch, Facebook Live, go find us all on there. Joining me, as always, the one, the only, Joshua Hudson. Josh, how are you? I'm doing great. Another another good show. We got you know, the third co-host now, Ryan with us, and another guest. Woo. Welcome back, Tommy Garrett from Pro Football Network. What's up, fellas? Always, always a blast having, uh, having extra guests on to, to dissect some of these teams because, let's face it, they know more than we do. So. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason we brought Ryan on, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had some credibility to the show. <laughs> so Tommy, what we- Tommy and I together will do something. <laughs> yeah. If we combine half and half, we'll get one good person out of this. Yeah, (laughs) it's got to be something, right? Uh, Self-deprecation. That's something we are definitely good at here. Specialize in it. (laughs) Again, if you are watching live, you want to talk about any of the guys that we're talking about, or you just want any question in general answered about fantasy football, please drop them in the comments. We will be sure to feature them as long as we get to them. Today, we are talking about the Atlanta Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have officially hit... The halfway point through our Look Inside series. So, we'll start off here with the Atlanta Falcons, who had the 16th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. If you're new to the show, never seen our Look Inside shows before, we will start with the upside, downside, trust fall, rookie, sleeper, and IDP for each team. We'll go through Josh, Ryan, and Tommy's for each. I cover the sleeper and IDP. And then we will talk about... One player that is either difference in terms of opinion between our guests and our analysts and or one that just, you know, looking at the community in general may have very differing opinions. So we're going to start off here, like I said, with the Atlanta Falcons upside. Everybody's on the uh, the um, why can't I think of it? The agreement train. That's what I called Josh and uh, Ryan last week for agreeing with almost everything when it came to one team. We're not very creative. Sorry. No, not at all. Uh, but on the agreement train, tight end Hayden Hurst, that's kind of an easy one. Uh, seeing what Austin Hooper did in that offense the last few years, it's only right that Hayden Hurst could replicate some of that. Downside, Josh, you have Todd Gurley. Tommy, you also have Todd Gurley. And Ryan, you have Calvin Ridley, who we will get to in one second. Trust fall, everyone has Julio Jones. Sure, you didn't want, like, uh, Russell Gage there or, Obviously. like, Ito Smith <laughs> I like Russell Gage, don't get me wrong, but I'm not trusting him with anything. Yeah, try- okay, that's fair. I understand. And then rookie to watch, Josh, you have Jared Pinckney. Ryan, you have wide receiver Chris Rowland or Roland. He broke Jerry Rice's uh, HBCU record with 104 receptions in 2019. That, that's a fun stat. Yeah. And then, uh, Tommy, you have Caleb Rep, who is also another tight end on the team. My sleeper, I have Laquan Treadwell. Please don't take Laquan Treadwell. I just had my hands tied behind my back, okay? He can't catch the football. He comes from an offense that used to pass hey, the football. It's your breakout, baby. Uh, yeah. It I mean, worked for Devontae Parker. Right? It works for Parker. It can work for Treadwell. I, right. I, sure. Yeah, because Devontae hey, Parker. At the very and La- least, he's in a high passing volume offense. Devontae Parker oh, and Laquan Treadwell are the same person. Quote Josh Hudson on that. And then my IDP, I have Deion Jones. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. He's sideline to sideline, can basically play 
everywhere on defense. And not to mention, I believe he picked off Jameis Winston for his 30th interception last year. Um, I could be wrong, but I believe that is true. So, as I said, we're going to wrap back to Calvin Ridley. Because the interesting thing is here, Tommy and Josh both like Calvin, whereas Ryan doesn't like Calvin Ridley. So, since 2020 is such a crap fest, why don't we start with the bad news? Ryan... Why don't you like Calvin Ridley? Oddly enough, this stems back to the conversation we had with Aaron Larson uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was. Um, Ridley's yardage to touchdown is insane. He's scoring a touchdown every 99 yards. Um, That caused me to actually go and dig into a little bit of this for an article. And the best touchdown scorers in the league do it about every 116 yards. I'm worried that that's going to fall back to average and he's going to be capped at that eight touchdowns. He's never had a thousand yards in a season. Julio is a huge roadblock. And right now he's going in the third to fourth round as a wide receiver too. I feel like, and I say this so often on this show, it's clearly one of my least favorite things. I feel like you're buying him at his ceiling and that's not something I'm looking to do in fantasy football. So, all right. So on the other side of that, we'll go to Tommy first. Tommy, why do you like Calvin Ridley? It's one of the things we kind of look at when they lost, you know, when they tried to weigh Muhammad Sanu, then you lose Austin Hooper. You have a bunch of targets coming in that they need to try to replace. I mean, you know, vacated targets, whether you agree with it, whether you disagree, they have to do something with it. The Dirk, this offense, they're going to throw the ball a ton. Then you look at with Calvin with uh, Calvin Ridley, once Muhammad Sanu left, you had 17.5 PPR points per game. If he has over eight targets a game, you saw what he did. He did seven catches for 146 and three, six for 71 and one. 8 for 93 and 1, 8 for 105 and 1, 5 for 88 and a touchdown. And they had another game that was 8 for 143 and a touchdown. So if he's hitting that 8 target threshold, which he easily can in this offense, the upside's there. He is capped by Julio Jones, but I think when you look at this offense, you have a 1A and a 1B. They don't have anything much else besides Russell Gage, who we think can step in to be that possibly the wide receiver 3, but it's all coming down between Julio and Ridley. Josh? I this offense with Atlanta, it's first off, it's a high passing offense. I mean, the last two years, 2018, they were fifth most passing attempts. Last year, I believe they had the most. So this is, you know, anytime you have quality weapons in a high passing volume offense, they're going to put up points. Sanu, like Tommy and, and Ryan have mentioned, he's gone. Austin Hooper's gone. So yes, you bring in Hayden Hurst. Yes, you bring in Todd Gurley, that automatically to me, it's going to elevate Ridley up into the, you know, 110, 120, potentially even 130 target range. And anytime, and we say this all the time, volume is king. So when guys are seeing that type of target volume, it increases their ceiling. Fantasy pros right now, his ADP, I believe, is wide receiver 18. So I disagree on the on the 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 sentiment, Ryan, that he's being drafted at his ceiling, um, because to me that's kind of where he's been finishing. And you know, sure, maybe he only sees eight touchdowns, but that's okay because if he stays healthy, which again, each of these past two years he's been on pace to top a thousand yards, but has been a little nicked up, so he hasn't hit that pace. He had like again. 15, even 16 games, he can hit a thousand yards, no problem. Add in eight touchdowns, potentially 80 catches. That's to me, that's top 15 upside at the very at at minimum. My biggest concern with that is 
the Falcons over the last two years, last year, eight rushing touchdowns, or excuse me, two years ago, eight rushing touchdowns, last year, nine rushing touchdowns. If Gurley's on the field, that's what he does best. He's going to almost double those numbers on his own. And is that going to come at the expense of wide receivers? And we know Julio only scores six anyway, so it's not coming at the expense of Julio Jones. Yes, but you're forgetting something, Ryan. This is the this is good year, Matt Ryan, statistically, right? <laughs> we're 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 this in this true. year that this is going to be when Matt Ryan puts up a top five fantasy season. So that alone should tell you that Calvin Ridley is going to explode. It'll be good as long as it's not a twenty-eight to three scoreline at half. That's true. There right? it is. That's a fact. All right, so this is actually interesting. So looking at Fantasy Pro's average ADP right now, Ridley is sitting at wide receiver 17, which is almost like smack dab in the middle of being a wide receiver 2. Okay? So my favorite game. Oh, we love this. Who would you rather? That's my favorite game in the world. Corhe, uh, I think Corhe 13. Hello there from Periscope. Uh, again, listening to the listen to the podcast, join us live. You get to say hey there to us like uh, Corhey did. I'm sure it's Corey, but it's Corhey. Love it. Um, all right. So it's now your emphasis on the hey part. Yeah, the hey, like a uh, like a valley girl. All right. So Ridley is at wide receiver 17. We're going to go through everyone that is currently sitting at wide receiver two in terms of if you would draft them there. So from wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 24. This is going to be interesting because I feel a lot of people might be taken over Calvin Ridley, which is why I'm bringing this up. So starting at wide receiver 13, once again, Ridley is 17. Amari Cooper or Calvin Ridley starting with Josh? As much as I despise Amari Cooper and the Cowboys, I'm going to take him over Ridley. I just think overall production will be there. Consistency will lack, but overall production will be there. Uh, again as your wide receiver too. So I want to I want to bring that in. I would oh, also Cooper as a wide receiver too is a freaking home run. Yes. So we're yeah. we're picking wide receiver twos, not wide receiver ones here. So Ryan to you, Cooper, Tommy, same. That that I would also take Amari Cooper. Yeah. And if you listen to the show, you understand how much I despise Amari Cooper and his work ethic. So Cooper all the way. Uh, Adam Thielen or Calvin Ridley, Josh. I think I'd go Thielen. Interesting. Just from he's the number one guy. It's a lower passing offense, but he is the number one guy. It's redraft, so I'm going to take Thielen. If this were Dynasty, this wouldn't even be a question. It'd be Calvin Ridley. Okay. Ryan? I saw a really good stat that when Diggs isn't in, Thielen uh, commands a 25% market share. Definitely Thielen for me. Tommy? This one's a lot closer for me. Um when they ha- when you're going to have him running more in the slot with Adam Thielen, probably have uh, Justin Jefferson on the outside, this team's probably going to be behind more than we think they might. My issue with Thielen is when they get in the red zone, he's not going to see all those touchdown shares that we think he might. I think I'm actually going to lean Calvin Ridley on this one. I like it. I would also lean Calvin Ridley. I don't have the confidence in that Minnesota offense, so I'm going to lean Ridley. Uh, Cooper Cup or Calvin Ridley? Josh? Hmm. Yeah, these are all these are all yeah, very these are really close. I mean, yes. it, it seems like Cooper is like the guy, you know, yes, they have Robert Woods, but he always seems to start the season slow, which gets people to sour on him. And Cooper just kind of takes off, then fades into an oblivion. If they're if if what they ended up doing towards the end of the season holds true this season where they're running more 12 personnel and yep. you're kicking Cooper Cup outside. 
Cooper Cup is going to struggle. Yes. If they keep him in the slot, he's going to ball just the way that he has been balling. So with that sort of unknown, I think I would lean Ridley. Again, even though I do feel that Cooper Cup probably will have a um, more productive year. Okay, Ryan. Cup. That was quick. Tommy? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Ridley. Personally, I actually think that the Rams wide receivers are being drafted in the reverse order they need to be. That's interesting. Okay, I like that. Uh, at wide receiver 16, back-to-back with Calvin Ridley, they're going overall 43-44. and 44. A.J. Brown, second-year guy out of Ole Miss. Josh? I'll take Ridley. I, I think A.J. Brown is being a way, way overhyped, overhyped, especially and, considering such a low-passing offense. And hold on. I know uh, I know, our buddy, friend of the show, Sam Wallace, is listening and watching right now on Periscope. Sorry, Sam. Uh, I don't know about A.J. Brown as a wide receiver, too, right there. <laughs> I know, I know you are infatuated with him, and I love his skill, but, man, he has Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. That is a tough one. Ryan, to you. First and foremost, love the Bobby Trees love in yes. the chat. Yeah. Secondly, this has me. I'm not taking A.J. Brown. I'll take Ridley there. So. Tommy? Yeah, sweep it. I mean, he'd have to be so efficient with his touches to try to keep up with what he did exactly. last year. Like it's, I don't see it happening personally. Sam, we're sorry, but I'm also taking Calvin Ridley. That's a clean sweep there. Again, if this were Dynasty, give me A.J. Brown all day. Sure. But, yeah. yeah no. Sure. I, I agree there. I think Brown has Brown has more in the long run. Um, so, And someone brought up um, Fantasy Gone Full. Uh, that's oh, definitely NFL. Fantasy, fantasy, fantasy Go NFL. Yeah, Joe. Joe. Reading it really hard. Listen. Trust listen, me. I get it. Listen. Shut it. Okay. <laughs> A.J. Brown, he brought up a great point. A.J. Brown only has five games with more than four receptions. He says that worries him. Uh, I mean, that's completely fair. And I think maybe some of that plays to having Marcus Mariota for the first half of the season or like for the first six games, whatever it was. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Ryan Tannehill is a major upgrade over Marcus Mariota. Uh, I think he's more conservative and maybe better in terms of not being as risk-taking as Mariota, but I, I mean, I, uh, I just... I don't think there's any way in hell that Ryan Tannehill completes almost 70% of his passes. No, of yeah. course not. I no, just... That's a flash in the pan, and the Titans are going to regret giving him a yes. four-year contract. This is nothing against A.J. Brown's talent, because if you listen to our draft show two years ago, you would have heard myself and Josh goo goo gaga over A.J. Brown and then the moment he was drafted to Tennessee, we wanted to flip a table. So it was just, you know, bad bad landing spot. But, you know, it's like we say bad landing spot for C.D. Lamb because he's surrounded by a lot of targets, but he has Dak Prescott as his quarterback. Mm-hmm. It was a bad landing spot for A.J. Brown because he has Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. So that's just, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. All right. Uh, 17 is Calvin Ridley. 18, Cortland Sutton or Calvin Ridley? Josh. Oh, Sutton, all day, every day. Ryan. Sutton. What? Sutton. Sutton, thank you. Tommy. Yeah, give me Sutton. I'm also Sutton. I feel like that is an absolute no-brainer, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, they are, they're going back-to-back, so 17, 18, 44, and 45 overall, respectively. So they're going back-to-back, so it's not like you know one's wildly favored over the other. Uh, wide receiver 19, Keenan Allen or Calvin Ridley? Josh, I'm going to take 
Ridley, and I feel like that's sacrilege, but just that quarterback situation in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers really worries me. Okay, Ryan. As I brought up on the Chargers show, it doesn't worry me, Keenan Allen, for sure. <laughs> <So>. Tommy. <laughs> uh, I'm going Ridley. I think Keenan Allen might have a hard time hitting 1,000 yards this year. Uh, I have a chubby for Keenan Allen, so I am, I ride the Keenan Allen train all day, every day. Uh, yes, he may struggle, but I love Keenan, Keenan Allen. Allen so oh, I, I Keenan love Allen. Oh, yeah. he is, yeah. he is 150 catches for 900 yards. I'm okay with it. I mean, <laughs> in PPR, yeah, you're going to love that. He'll get all the targets he wants. I mean, yeah. you, you want to consider like we're comparing, you know, Calvin Ridley to Keenan Allen. You want to consider two of the smoothest route runners in the league. Yeah. Keenan Allen and Calvin Ridley are just, oh, it is orgasmic watching them run routes. Yeah, it is beautiful. So two of the best route runners in the league. Uh, Calvin Ridley and the aforementioned Bobby Trees. Who would we like? Calvin Ridley or Robert Woods? Josh. Give me Trees. Ryan. Trees all day. Tommy. Yep. Same. Sweep it. Bobby Trees. Agree. I'll, I'm also there. Calvin Ridley or DK Metcalf? Josh. So that's, that's another a one. one. Just a low passing volume. Um, from a talent perspective, give me DK. But I think this year in fantasy, I want Ridley. Ryan. Yeah, I'm still a believer in Tyler Lockett. I haven't jumped off that, so I'll take Ridley. Okay, Tommy. Yep, I agree. Uh, it, can you imagine they actually let Russell Wilson just throw the ball? Oh, man. I mean, imagine they do what that? happened with DK Metcalf. pass attempts? Yep, oh, my exactly. God. DK would be Julio Jones. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. Uh, so, so the issue is uh, Sam is not happy. There's a lot of uh, Ridley disrespect in here, according <laughs> to him. But so the, the issue I have with, you know, saying let Russell Wilson throw the football more is his offensive line can't allow him to do that because his offensive yeah. line blows a pass blocking. Like yeah. the, they, built they built their entire, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they built their entire offensive line to go forward. Uh, if you're a gamer, press W and instead of, you know, having them go backwards, their first step on their offensive line is always forward. They never, once the Seattle Seahawks offensive line goes backwards, everything goes to crap. Like nothing works. So that's the issue there. And yes, Wilson is mobile, but how mobile can you be to let DK Metcalf get down the field quick enough? So it's like, you know, the things to take take into account. Uh, from one Seahawks receiver to another, uh, Tyler Lockett or Calvin Ridley? Josh? I would take Ridley. Uh, Ryan? Lockett. And Tommy? I'm going Ridley. Wow, very, very mixed. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, if you gave me the option... Uh, I would draft a running back or a tight end. Like I don't, I don't want either of these guys on my team. Hell, if my quarterback's there, I'll take him. Because at this point, I really, I love Tyler Lockett as a player. I don't like the the system he's in. Like I said, Seattle's not built to throw the football. Calvin Ridley, wow, do I just hate the Falcons ever since they blew that lead? My good, I mean, I love them because I'm a Patriots fan, but I can, I can't sit there and tell you that I want a single Atlanta Falcon on my team after what happened to them in that Super Bowl. So I mean, for me and Lockett and him, I have them within four points of each other in my projection. Okay, like that's fair. A touchdown one way or another. Like, that's that's it. Okay, Josh, I saw you raise your hand. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw this out here really quick. It, it, actually, a comment from Sam, and I want to uh, kind of actually show this to everybody because, Joe, I know you're a big gamer. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. The uh, for those listening to the podcast, uh, Sam says Joe with the W key gamer reference. You love to see it. Heck yeah, baby! To all my gamers out there, 
Uh, for those that play Overwatch and you're a main tank, just press W. Please stop pressing S. Everyone hates you in the community. <laughs> Anyone Everybody Joe disagrees with, he's going to be like, hey, just 1v1 me on Rust. <laughs> oh my God. That was. Okay, listen. We want to talk about games for a sec. Modern Warfare 2 is the best first person shooter game that Activision Blizzard has ever created. And there is no. The only competition I'll give you is Black Ops 1, and that's solely yeah. for the zombies mode. That's it. Yeah. Like their multiplayer was great, but Modern Warfare 2 was, I think, by far the best Call of Duty game that 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 franchise has ever made. It has only gone downhill since then. The it's, one thing I will say, if you played BO1 and you used the LSAT with a target finder, ooh. I I hope you've probably just ran your car off a road at some point. Oh. I am so lost in this conversation. Oh God, Josh, listen, listen. <laughs> you know, no, you know how we're you know how we're nerds of fantasy football. This is like when you when you think of like the stereotypical nerd, right? You think like gamer, anime, like that stuff. Yeah, yep. my area here. That's like my side gig from yep. this. That's like that's my side hoe that I cheat on fantasy football with. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, last two guys. Uh, where are we? Calvin Ridley or DJ Chark? To me, this is an interesting one. Josh, Ooh, I like this one. Uh, this would definitely make me think if both were available. I'm going to lean slightly to Shark, but it is close because I do like both of them. Uh, Ryan. I'd go Ridley. Tommy. I agree with Josh. I think it's close, but I trust Matt Ryan a little more than I do Gardner Minshew. Oh, totally fair. I think Shark is absolutely going to see... Well, why I say that is because Shark's going to see the targets, but are going to be catchable. That's so I fair. think I'm gonna go Ridley. That's fair, uh, and I'm gonna skip 24 because it's T.Y. Hilton, and I have a feeling who all of you are gonna say. So I'm gonna bring up one that Fantasy Go NFL had typed into the chat here. Calvin Ridley or Stefan Diggs, Josh? Oh, Ridley. I I I love Diggs, but I do not trust the passing offense as a whole in Buffalo. I, I just don't see them throwing the ball. 550 times to really give digs any sort of relevance in fantasy this year. Okay. Ryan. Yeah. And to touch on what Tommy just said, how many of those balls are actually catchable? I'll take Ridley. Okay. And Tommy. Yeah. I'm going Ridley here too. I think digs for me is like my wide receiver 28. When I sat him out this year, I'm really low. Ooh, on him. I was even lower. Okay. I think he was 33 for me. Yeah. So, yeah. so in terms of, in terms of strictly value, cause there's a big difference between uh, Ridley and digs. There's, uh, one's at 17, the other one's at 26 in terms of ADP. If I were to tell you that you get Calvin Ridley in the middle of the fifth round or you could get Stefan Diggs in the middle of the seventh round, who would you rather, Josh? Ridley. Ryan. Diggs. Tommy. That's way closer when you look at actually draft, when you look at average draft position in that. Knowing that I'm getting Diggs as probably my wide receiver three, three. at least, I actually kind of like the upside of Diggs on that one. I, I have to agree is that I'm getting Diggs as wide receiver three. Easy. Like, I, I think that's a no-brainer, in my opinion. I, I think you go Diggs there, just in terms of value. The system is way better for Calvin Ridley right now because he has a, an actual quarterback. Josh Allen can only throw deep, so that really limits what Stefan Diggs can do. All right, moving into now our next team, the Dallas Cowboys. Upside, Josh, you have Blake Jarwin, the tight end. Ryan and Tommy, you both have Michael Gallup. Downside, Josh and Tommy have Amari Cooper. 
thank God. And Ryan, you have CD Lamb. All right, looks like we got to kick you off the show again. Uh, <laughs> Trustfall. Uh, everyone has Ezekiel Elliott. Rookie to watch. Everyone has CD Lamb. Sleeper. I have Tony Pollard. Let me just bank on Zeke getting hurt a couple games. Like that's yeah. really what I'm banking on here. I I can't choose a sleeper at receiver because there's nothing there. Um, I feel like people are a little high on. I feel like Jarwin's going in his exact spot that he should be going at. So I just I went with Pollard uh, and my IDP. I have Jalen Smith. The only reason I'm taking Jalen Smith over Leighton Vander Esch is because they gave Jalen Smith an absolutely fat contract. So they have to use him. That's the only reason I'm putting Jalen Smith over Leighton Vander Esch. If I had to pick, I think Vander Esch is a better run defender. Uh, Jalen Smith is more athletic, so that kind of puts him, um, I feel, in more of a versatile category. But no, I, I, I would I'd still pick in Jalen Smith there. So uh, we talked about a receiver with the Falcons. I mean, talk about the biggest mashup of receivers right now in this Dallas Cowboys offense with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I guess let's just start with, so let's start with the vets here and we'll start with the downsides. So Josh and Tommy and uh, Josh, I'll let you lead on this one. Amari Cooper is the downside. Why do you have him there? It's just consistency overall. Um, When you look at the top 12 guys from last year, uh, he was arguably the least consistent. Um, Let me pull up my consistency rankings really quick. But yeah, I think he only had... Uh, what was it? Three total top 12 finishes yeah. among uh, wide receivers that actually finished in the top 12. And that that was by far the lowest uh, when you even when you increase it to wide receiver two performances, barely half. It was at eight, eight out of 15 weeks because we, you know, again, we do weeks one through 16 here. So it's when you know, again, when you're when you're looking for that wide receiver one, and that's kind of where he's going, I believe it's like wide receiver 10, 11, 12 range. He's currently at wide receiver 13, so you're technically getting okay, him as a wide line. receiver two. Yeah. yeah. So, again, if he's my wide receiver two, then, yeah, I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable. Um, I have him in my, the way that I stat it out. I actually have him as wide receiver five. So I think that there's a lot of, like, upside there because of the increased passing volume. But... I think his best position, though, is running the slot. And when you look at Gallup, you look at Lamb now, those guys are tailor-made to work on the outside. Yeah, Cooper's route running is more tailor-made for the slot because he works so well in space. And most defenders, when they're playing in the slot, they're giving you a lot more cushion than they are when they're playing press and man on the outside. So Cooper has the ability to be a lot more effective to me running in the slot. And if that's the case, I would not be shocked if Dak Prescott peppers him with 140 plus targets this year, because again, this is a 600 plus passing attempt offense. Even looking back into McCarthy's time with uh, green Bay, the last three years that he was there at eight, uh, 16, 17 and 18, he averaged 607 pass attempts per year. The only year that he didn't top 600 was the year that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So, again, they threw the ball 600-plus times last year. I have zero doubt that they're going to do it this year. And between Lamb and Gallup and Cooper, it would not surprise me if all three of those guys are over 100 and Cooper is well above that because they just paid him $20 million a year for the next five years. So I don't see why you're not going to pepper that guy with targets. 
But again, it boils down to the consistency. Is he going to do it every week? There were several weeks last year where he wasn't even a flex. Like, he wasn't even startable. He was off everybody's ranking list. It was bad. Five, and you didn't weeks. see that a lot from those top guys. Five weeks where he finished 55 or worse. Yeah, that's bad. So, again, when you're that fringe sort of like wide receiver one, when it look, comes up to consistency, I want somebody who's going to be consistent. Cooper's not. That's why he's my downside. Okay. Tommy, anything to add on there? I mean, he pretty much nailed it. I mean, Amari Cooper had as many wigs as a wide receiver one as he was a wide receiver four. I'm not drafting that if I'm taking him at wide receiver 13 because arguably at that point, you probably in your draft, you're taking him as your number one wide receiver unless you've stacked it towards the end or whatever. He's probably going to be your first wide receiver off the board. So you need that upside and that consistency, especially if I'm getting someone who's likely just as likely to finish as a flex than he is a wide receiver one. I don't think I really want that on my team. Uh, yeah, he's I, essentially the new Julio Jones, Joe. That's what he is. Listen, I've hated Amari Cooper forever, so that's well. Now that Julio's being more trustworthy, now you can you can shove all that hate towards Amari Cooper now. Yeah, I mean <laughs> uh, Julio. Uh, I again, I don't know if I'm gonna draft Julio, but Julio Julio has won back a spot on uh, on my team. Uh, for for the time being, at least we'll, we'll see how this year goes. But Amari Cooper has been condemned uh, since after his rookie year. He just, I mean, it shows in the fantasy football numbers. He's either all there and in, or he's a complete ghost. And Josh, I know you know this well. The one play that I always come back to that epitomizes to me Amari Cooper is fourth down against the Eagles in a pivotal and critical game on the road, and he is on the bench. He doesn't care about football. <laughs> to, to me, he doesn't care. Like, there will be times he's very motivated and he'll want to uh, play and he'll want to do his best, but I have no clue. Ready? Compared to LeBron James, right? LeBron will show up when he wants to and then quit in the 2011 NBA uh, championship series against the Dallas Mavericks. It's like, you don't know what LeBron you're going to get week in and week out. And I have no clue what Amari Cooper I'm going to get week in and week out. So, I mean, if you could tell me, Hey, give me Amari Cooper as a wide receiver three. Sure. Definitely not taking him at wide receiver 13. Despite yeah, the what flip we side to said. that too, Michael Gallup actually on a per target basis and sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to, I figured that's kind of where you were going when you reacted when I started this <laughs> Gallup actually outplayed Cooper. Like when it comes to fantasy points per target and production, et cetera, Gallup had better numbers than Cooper last year. Cause yeah, that's, that's Gallup's my thing. a baller. And you'd have to see a change in culture. Cause I think you're absolutely right, Josh, that Cooper is likely to slide into the slot, but Cobb played the slot last year and was only averaging like six targets a game. I understand Cooper's better than Cobb, but Dak is made to throw the ball to the outside. Gallup averaged um, more targets per game than Cooper did. And you want to talk about a guy who wants to be on the field. That was supposed to be a four to six week injury. And the guy came back in two weeks last year and then balled out on his first game back. And it's obscene that you can get him as the wide receiver of 33 right now. He should be a one, a one B with Cooper and he's going 21 spots later. So Gallup all day in that offense. All right. So something I'm seeing right here from Fantasy Go NFL, which we appreciate 
every single comment coming in right now. Again, you're listening on the podcast on 97.3. Be sure to join us Wednesday nights for the live show recording. He asks if you're at the last pick and you grab Julio and DeAndre Hopkins, are you worried about your number one running back being at the end of the third round? And I'll let anybody chime in here. I, I would be. Yeah. I would also. I would be very worried. I yeah, almost. I, I, I almost so, exclusively take running backs as my yeah, first pick. With the depth of wide receiver this year, so I deep. just. I don't. I don't really see a need to to double up at wide receiver in the back end. You know, with the wrap from one to two because. You know, I, I can get, I mean, you know, as we're we're going through and talking about this, like just pulling up like ADP with some of these wide receivers, like would I love Cortland Sutton as my number one wide receiver? Probably not, but I'm okay with it if I'm doubling up at, at running back. Kind of the same thing with, uh, you know, Ridley or even Keenan Allen. Like he's going to fall because of that situation in, uh, in LA. So, and even Robert Woods. I, I would absolutely have any of those guys and be happy with it as my number one if I'm doubling up at, at running back. I can't say the same if I'm doubling up at wide receiver and then looking at the running backs that are ultimately going in that that you know third, fourth round range because they're, they're just not going to be anywhere near as inspiring. You're looking at Chris Carson, David Johnson, James Conner, Devin Singletary, I, that's not appealing to me at all. I mean, if you're looking at guys that have ADP of uh, 50 to 55 as wide receivers, you're looking at Jamison Crowder, Sterling Shepard, Nikhil Harry, John Brown, Anthony Miller, Preston Williams. I have Anthony Miller as a sleeper. I have John Brown as a sleeper. With the addition of Cam Newton, that brings Nikhil Harry's stock up, Of you know, considering if Cam Newton starts. Jamison Crowder, I feel, is being wildly underrated right now. And then Sterling Shepard, obviously, if he can stay healthy, he produces. And if you look at the running backs from 50 to 55, you're sitting here with Duke Johnson, who I love, uh, but he just doesn't get playing time, which is the sad reality of it. Yeah, we and, love him. Coaches don't, apparently. Coaches don't, for some reason. At five straight seasons with 16 games played, never missed a game. Averages four points. Uh, yeah, God, we'll get to there when we get to the Texans. Uh, Antonio Gibson, Naheem Hines, Justin Jackson, Chase Edmonds, Anthony McFarlane Jr. We like Naheem Hines on the show. We like Duke Johnson, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Naheem Hines is a lock to be a running back two mm-hmm. at, you know, RB52 in his draft stock. Whereas, you know, I, I could sit here and tell you that realistically, John Brown, Anthony Miller, and Jamison Crowder could argue for a low end wide receiver two spot. And I firmly believe that two like, names, I, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I say two names that make me more comfortable with this strategy. Josh, you already said him with a nasty tone to your voice, but Chris Carson was, a I mean, I love Chris that. Carson. Don't get me wrong, but I don't I know that Chris I trust Carson. him as my RB one. And David Johnson pre injury had like five RB one weeks and they're going to run the hell out of him in Houston. I'm just saying, if I took two stud wide receivers at the turn and then turned around with Carson and David Johnson, I'm not upset at that point in the draft. It might not be how I wanted it to go, but I'm not upset. The one caveat I will say is if you take David Johnson, make sure you take Duke Johnson. Yeah. Because if anything happens to David Johnson, Duke Johnson has RB2 potential. And something here that um, 
we we have kind of yet to touch on is the fact that CD Lamb fell to 17 in the draft. So let yeah. that sink in before we begin talking here. Is that Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, which okay, Jerry Judy's fine. Like I guess that's okay because he was really good. But we're gonna sit here and say Henry Ruggs should be taken over CD Lamb. Like come on, people. It's I was sitting here with you guys when that happened. Yeah, oh, I, yeah was t- say, I thought you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- Tommy was on the show. Uh, on our live draft show, I mean, we're losing it. Like yeah. the f- he kept not it's getting picked. Hayward Bay all over again with the Raiders. No, like oh I'm hoping God. Ruggs outperforms that, but they just keep because wasn't it Crabtree that they could have taken but took Hayward Bay instead? Or I might be getting that confused, but it was remember. yeah, it they had some option there, and they go with the fast guy, and it's just what they do. Where C.D. Lamb, he's a wide receiver one. He belongs in that spot, and the Raiders are just like, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> so uh, everyone obviously here has their rookie to watch as CD Lamb. I want to start with Tommy. So, uh, so for those that aren't sold on CD Lamb f- for some stupid reason, right? Why? Yeah. <laughs> sell me, sell me right now. So I'm gonna read you his ADP because I think this is like even for a rookie, I think this is freaking hilarious. He's he's wide receiver 41 right now, so he's being taken as a wide receiver five. Currently being taken at the back end. Of the twelfth round, That's so insane. so Tommy, I want you to sell me like a quick elevator pitch. Uh, why should CD Lamb uh, deserve a starting roster spot on your fantasy team? You're getting a guy in the offense that has the second most vacated targets. That's attached to Dak Prescott. That could easily be a wide receiver too. Every single week he steps on the field, he's one of the best wide receivers we've seen come out of college. He was able to usurp Jerry Judy, who was going for a back-to-back Bolitnikoff awards in, at Alabama. We saw what he did in college. There's no way he can't do the exact same thing in the NFL. I don't care if you press him. I don't care if you play him off. He can beat any coverage out there. If you want to be physical with him, that's fine. He can do the exact same thing, and then he'll show his shoulder to you and fly right by you. And he can make any catch on the sidelines. So uh, I'm going to add on here before we get to this question from Dark Sage over on Twitch. So, I the first time I watched C.D. Lamb play football was the Red River Shootout this year against uh, o- Oklahoma, Texas. Yep. Um, I believe it was it's Columbus Day weekend is the end of the Texas State Fair. So it was that Saturday before uh, Columbus Day or what? what um, the the new I don't know what the new holiday Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, that's Saturday. <laughs> I turned it on, and I probably tuned in about halfway through the second quarter. And the first play I see is C.D. Lamb catching the ball, I don't know, 15 yards downfield, and he made five Texas defenders miss and walk into the end zone. Is that and, the one where he cut across the field? Yes, yes. Yeah. That, was, that was my first interaction with C.D. Lamb. And then as I continued to watch the rest of the game, I continued to watch him absolutely curb stomp that entire team like it was uh, it was unfair how good he was against them he has the drive to be the best and by far was the best receiver in this class it okay the only comparison that people had for this guy i forget the specific website but the only comparison that they had for him was jerry rice that was player profiler that's that's pretty good like (laughs) Jerry Rice, the 
the best wide receiver of all time was the only apt comparison for C.D. Lamb. That's ridiculous. That's unbelievable. So, uh, I do want to get to Dark Sage's question here because I think that... Go ahead, Josh. I see you raising more on C.D. Lamb, one of our writers, Chris Molina, just put up a uh, an article on C.D. Lamb. We posted it on Tuesday. So, feel free to head over www.clubfantasyffl.com and you can check out uh, his thoughts because he does actually bring up the the player comp of Jerry Rice. So... It's honestly unbelievable. And we have two questions here before we move on. So Dark Sage, uh, 9117 over on Twitch. So we brought this up. This isn't football related, but I do think this is interesting because I've been seeing more of these concepts as someone who works in sports business. So he says he lives in Indiana and in the local hey, newspaper. Hey, there you go, Tommy. Make a friend. In the local <laughs> newspaper, the town wants the drive-in theater to show the Indianapolis 500 live this year. He said back in the 60s and 70s when he was growing up, the race used to be shown in theaters nationwide. Do you think it's a good idea as long as social distance guidelines are followed? He says he remembers back in the 60s and 70s going to the movie theater and watching the race for about $40 on the big screen. And at the time, it was quite the thing. He said he'd love to see it come back. So, uh, Tommy, I see you aggressively nodding. You like the idea? I'd love it. A lot of people don't realize, like here in Indiana, we don't actually get to watch the Indy 500. For us, it's blackout, so we have to watch it on wow. a tape delay at like 8 p.m. So we get to listen to it on the radio, and that's how I've always been able to enjoy it, and I still do, is listening to it on Memorial Day weekend. But for me, I would absolutely love to go to a driving movie theater and actually be able to watch it live for like the first time ever. Throw in some nachos and a cheap pretzel and some beer, I'm all in. you never actually been up to Indianapolis to watch one of the races live? No, you can't hardly get into no? it. You've got like almost 250 yeah. to half a million people that get I into the I went to the uh, Brickyard 400 one year. My dad took me when I was That's the up. one thing I've been to. We have a friend that works at IMS, and mm -hmm. we got free tickets to the uh, Brickyard 400 last year, set right across from the paddock and everything. It was awesome to go to. It's not a great race to go to. It's not a, it's not a great track because you can't see anything yeah. past like the entrance into turn four and exit of turn one. You yeah. So you can't see anything that happens. And those are the two spots where it's like, eh, not too much is happening. But it's it's a hallowed track. It's one of the great places in America as far as sports go. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to actually finally see the Indy 500. So, I mean, you, you talk about like iconic tracks. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the first two that come to mind, I think, for most people are Daytona and Indianapolis because of the Daytona 500. Talladega as well, just because yeah. it's so it's the, yeah, that's so a big huge. Track. That's yeah. a big track. That is, I mean, it's it's a super speedway for a reason. So for those that don't know racing, and I believe this is this is all true. If a track is called a super speedway, it means that drivers on average don't go under 200 miles per hour on the track. Well, it's also the size. Of the the size of it as well. I, I think um, those tracks are more than two and a half miles. Yes, like, for a full lap. So uh, Talladega is absolutely massive, but the Indy 500 iconic so i th i didn't know that that if you lived in indiana it was on a tape delay yeah, that's yeah, I, didn't so, know I have family that lives up in indiana and i never even knew that that's yeah crazy. so I, I think that is a no-brainer in my opinion are you kidding me i, well, I, I mean, kind of like, look at it this way and and you know you feel free to chime in guys but like think of when you go watch like blockbuster movies at the movie theater and then watching them on your blu-ray at your house like the yeah. experience is just different because Wait, you have all the the sound effects you have the you know the depth of the the screens and everything so you just it, it helps you feel like you're 
part of the experience. Yeah. You don't really get that at home. So I think that utilizing this experience, whether it's for racing or hell, even football games, mm-hmm. like that would be a really cool experience to just go to a movie theater and you've got like THX and you've got all the, you know, the boombox stereos in your ear, like what some theaters have, like that would be a really cool experience to me. So I'm just going to crash this with reality, though, learning that it's oh, blacked out in Indiana. I can't imagine the amount of money that theater would have to pay to be allowed to do that. So sure. if you, you can petition them all they want. If they're going to lose money on the deal, they're not going to do it. So. This is true. <laughs> oh, it totally makes sense. Absolutely. Money talks yeah. and everything. Yeah, I exactly. love the idea, though. No, that's yeah, fair. Great idea. Not not disparaging the idea. It's just mm-hmm. I can't imagine how much that would cost. Yeah. yeah. And the, the last thing here before we move into the Steelers to wrap up, Fantasy Go NFL with another one. So do you think with these three Cowboys receivers, will it reduce stacked boxes and open up more running lanes for Ezekiel Elliott? And we'll start with Josh on this one because I know you love Zeke. I'm a huge Zeke guy. I am all about it. I mean, they have such a good offensive line that even if they were to stack the box, I don't think it would matter much because Zeke is just that good. But sure, I mean, you have three dynamic weapons like that. You can't afford to bring eight up in the box. Like, why wouldn't you want to double team Cooper or Gallup or Lamb towards the tail end of the season when everybody realizes, holy crap, this guy's really freaking good. So, you know, I don't see a need to to stack boxes when you when you can spread it out three wide like that. So my only issue with this is and I'm going to throw actually I'm going to play the Joe role a little bit here. How often do you think Zeke faced stacked boxes last year? I dug into this. Before. I was literally looking this up. As how you... <laughs> often? Yeah, just the percentage of carries. How often? So is this is this eight or more men in the box or yes. seven? Eight or more. Okay. Uh man, they still had a high flying offense last year. Uh thirty percent. Okay, Tommy. Um, twenty two. I'll go prices right rules. I'm taking the under. Josh, you look it up yet or no? I, I haven't come across it yet. Uh, I Honestly, I would say it's probably under 20%. Yeah, it's only 15%. I don't see there's any <laughs> way that oh. it gets reduced. But yeah, I was – so I looked this up earlier uh, in for the article that I was writing about the Cowboys just to see how that might affect him, and it's, I don't see it going down. <laughs> no. So. I, I just – I went safe. According went to Next Gen Stats, they, he faced uh, eight eight-man fronts – Nineteen point two seven percent. Okay, that's yeah, still so still below twenty. Fantasy that's still below happens. twenty. Yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable. I mean, Zeke was the only running back last year that never had a week outside of the top twenty-four. Yeah, he was as consistent yeah. as it gets. And now you're adding another threat that defensive coordinators have to worry about. The Cowboys are probably going to see way more nickel, and way more dime this year. So I could well, see gonna, Zeke absolutely feasting this year. I want to throw one more thing out, and I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, the editor for the Fantasy Footballers, uh, Kyle Borgagnani, I think it is. Um, I know that's who he is. I he edits all your articles, and you can't even pronounce his damn last name right. How freaking rude is that? I can spell it. I can spell it. <laughs> Ooh, that's anyway, big. Mad credit to him. He wrote an article two years ago about vacated targets on teams that have a large amount of vacated targets. A good portion of them tend to find themselves to the running back. And if Zeke starts to approach 100 targets again, he could take a run at Christian McCaffrey if he keeps up his rushing value and touchdowns. So I love Zeke this year. So what about Tony Pollard? I have yeah, like, I mean, he yeah. he he flashed big time last year. So yeah. you know, and to, to your point, like, chat. sure, 
they, you know, running backs could see a lot of targets. And and I saw uh, Sam Wallace, you know, he commented on this. He's like, you know, yes, Pollard could very easily have standalone value as a flex, which I I could very easily see that. I know Pollard was Joe's sleeper. And, you know, and, and just think, like, if Zeke goes down with an injury, Pollard yeah. could very easily be a, a fringe RB1. Yeah, he was only targeted 20 times last year, but caught 15 of those 20 and scored a touchdown. If you double or maybe even triple that, if they find a way to work him into that offense even just a little bit, he's going to put up RB3 numbers as a guy who has no immediate standalone value. And then if Zeke goes down, it's a game changer. He is absolutely an RB1 at that point. Yeah, he's easily one of the top handcuffs, if not the top handcuffs in fantasy football this year. I think the question I have for you guys Given what you what you just said, Ryan, about vacated targets, are we as an industry not talking enough that Zeke is actually the RB two and not Saquon Barkley and redraft startups? Oh, one hundred percent. I'm I'm all on board on Zeke. Have been from day one, and it's it's definitely something where everyone's plugging Saquon in there, and I think Zeke is being. Yeah, it seems like it's always been Saquon by default, given what we saw in yeah. his rookie season, and then everyone gives him the excuse of the ankle injury, and he came back too soon, and we saw what he did in his final three weeks. But given the consistency of Zeke and what we can see happen in that offense, it might be something we need to take a look at and try to kind of discuss a little bit more openly. Yeah, just in my projection, Zeke was number two. Like, I want that not only production, but I want the consistency that Zeke brings to the table because I know, for, I mean, line. just over over his the first four years of his career. Yeah, well, sure, the offensive line plays a big part, but he's averaging almost 25 touches per game. And we talk all the time, volume is king. Two years yep. ago, he had 90 targets. Last year, he had another 71 targets. Like, he's now he's adding that receiving value that kind of lacked the first couple years. They're showing that, hey, Zeke can do everything. So yeah, why yeah. aren't, like, you know, he's not as flashy as, as Saquon. He's not going to, you know, turn every single touch into a 60-yard romp for a touchdown. Yep. But he's also going to fall forward for two or three yards every time, whereas every Saquon's going to lose yards 30% of the time. Trying to find yards. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That is the most annoying thing in the world to me. Just fall forward. It is not that hard. Josh, Josh, <sighs> the Patriots of Sony Michelle. Shut up. I don't want to hear about anything <laughs> about running backs falling forward. Okay? So, Sony Michelle. But now Cam Newton. Oh. You don't worry about Sony Michelle. Ah. One, of my, one of my favorite stats, though, that's been going around, and we've already talked about this team. I missed the show. Was Nick Chubb had 15 red zone carries for negative yes. 14 oh, yards? God, it's so- I love that stat because it actually happened. They're like they almost had eight plays in one game because they got almost getting like a fourth down. They got the conversion. It was a, yep. uh, a it was against penalty. Buffalo. Yes, yeah. and they could not punch it into like eight straight plays and just kept going backwards. They 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 ran the ball, and this is oh god. R.I.P. Freddie Kitchens. He didn't die. It's just his coaching career. Um, yeah, it's dead. Four, four straight rushes on the one-yard line. Okay, first off, should they have scored? Probably. Yeah. Should you have called four straight running plays? No. I mean, call a naked bootleg. Do something. Naked bootleg. <laughs> He's Play just action. trying to not be Pete Carroll. I'm going to yeah. double down to make sure I'm not Pete. There you I mean, go. It's, it's like... the And still have the same end result. The one yeah. thing I don't understand with teams is if you want to run it on first down on the one-yard line, go nuts. Like, be my guest. If you get stuffed, please, God, spread someone out, 
or run a play action. You you employ six foot six tight ends for a reason. Run a play action and let your quarterback just dump it over the top. Yeah, like, I think that whole sequence of plays just epitomized how paltry that Cleveland yeah. offensive line was. Last I say year. it's not like they went out and paid for a wide receiver who specializes in contested catches or anything. Right? Or <laughs> or went and got a six eight tight end from Kansas City. Yeah. Oh yeah, Harris. Demetrius Harris. And then oh, you have one of the best route runners and slot receivers in the NFL and Jarvis Landry that could probably shake anybody that's covering him. For, oh god, Freddie Kitchens. I, you. I like this stat actually that Fantasy Go NFL just just gave us. He's like he's kind of agreeing with us that Zeke is the oh, number two. More game. touchdowns on a per game basis and ten more scrimmage yards per game than Saquon. I mean that that just goes to show you the- just the overall production, the consistency, everything that Zeke brings to the table. But because he's not flashy, people aren't on that bandwagon. And that's on a team that's throwing the ball 600 times per game. Exactly. So. I mean, their defense isn't good either. So, yeah. no, actually, no it's one's average defense. average at best. No yeah. one's defense in the NFC East is good. So, it's just a complete shootout every single game. So, uh, not surprised. They're going to throw the ball 600, probably 700 times this year. Let's be honest. <laughs> Break the record. Yeah. Because of none of us are worried about Mike McCarthy and his impact. No, like all that's all overblown from what happened with Green Bay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I would like to think that he figured like he took a year off for a reason, kind of figured out where the where things fell off. Well, yeah, I remember he took a deep dive in analytics. Well, but I think the the smartest thing that he did, though, was keep Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was a really good play caller last year. So it's, you know, now it now it becomes, okay. I did it. I succeeded. Now, what am I going to do to adjust when defenses figure out what I'm doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, all right, last team of the night, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tommy's beloved Steelers. Yep. Upside, Josh, Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan, James Conner, Tommy, Juju Smith-Schuster. Downside, Josh and Ryan have Juju Smith-Schuster. Tommy, you have James Conner. <laughs> Trustfall, Josh and Tommy both have Deontay Johnson. Ryan, you said none really. So by <laughs> default, you have James Conner. Yeah. This uh, whole team's a hot mess. Let's be oh, real. Oh, yes. Here. No rookie, offense, Tommy. <laughs> rookie to watch Anthony McFarlane Jr. Sleeper, I have James Washington. He's going like wide receiver 79. Yeah. He's he's the he's basically he's the deep threat on the team. Like, what are we doing? Led the uh, team yards last year. Yeah. And then uh, my IDP, I have Cam Hayward. He's just a fat mess in the middle of the defensive line. Oh, I love Cam Hayward. I, <laughs> I, do, I don't like the Steelers, but man, would I love Cam Hayward on my team. He is an absolute menace in the middle. Do you like I him more him. than TJ Watt? Yes, because I think Cam Hayward is more disruptive in more facets of the game. That, I think TJ Watt's a one-trick pony. Or Devin Bush. Devin say, Bush yeah. is just fast, but it works. It, it, it does work, but so so <laughs> compared to so in terms of IDP, TJ Watt is going to get you sacks. He's not going to yep. get you tackles. Yeah. So, so I think Watt, a lot of it will depend on your format. Yes. Like when so, we had when we had Joe Redman on, and and you guys were kind of going back and forth. A lot of the leagues that you play in are more tackle heavy for points. Yes. He's so, more sack heavy. So yes. Yeah, so in the leagues that uh, Joe Redman plays in. Um, if you have leagues where you have a designated edge rusher or a designated outside linebacker, 
then I would put TJ Watt here. But if you're in a league like mine where you only play D linemen, linebackers, and cornerbacks, they're all roped into one. TJ Watt won't even rank in the top 50 because he's only going to get sacks. He's not going to get enough tackles. Whereas Cam Hayward, yes, he's going to score probably less points than TJ Watt or someone like Devin Bush. But Cam Hayward's going to rank in the top 10 at his position. I was going to say positional because, value. Exactly, because he's going he's gonna to rush the passer. He'll probably get, I don't know, five, six sacks, maybe even more. But he's also going to rack up the tackles in the run game, which is something that TJ Watt won't do. Um, yeah, last year, Cam Hayward, career high with 83 combined tackles, and over the last three years has 29 sacks, nine of which came last year. So he's doing it from both ends. He's racking up Well, it doesn't up help that the defense sacks. was on the field 70% of the game. This is true. I'll yeah, take it. Well, and that, I, you know, obviously I think played into it. But, you know, two years ago, Hayward had 12 sacks. So, I mean, he, and this was with TJ Watt. So, I mean, he's he's benefiting, yes, from the extra attention that Watt gains, but he's also eating up the middle and, and getting those run-stuffing tackles that I don't think that Watt really gets as often. Well. If, if Pittsburgh can get back to the way they want to do things, clock controlling yeah. things like that, that's going to open things up for him too. So, I, I think something to note too in the division uh, Marshall Yonda no longer with the Baltimore Ravens, one of That's the great big. one of the great offensive guards ever. Um, so Hayward won't have to go against him. Uh, Cincinnati sucks, and as we've already talked about, Cleveland's <laughs> offensive line is abysmal. Yep. So they got better though. Yeah, they did. Josh. Okay, they, listen. I, I'm saying Jack listen. Conklin is good. Jedrick Wills is good. But yes, here's he's the thing. A rookie, here's but the he's thing. Good. They're both so. tackles, right? They are tackles. Yeah. Cam Hayward doesn't go up against tackles. Yeah. He goes up against guards. Okay, In still got to face Joel Batonio. Oh, God, Joel Batonio. Ah, oh, God. Batonio's good, man. Okay, He was really the only good thing on that line. Josh, ready? After they traded Zeitler. Remember when Glad had normal trash bags? Oh, and then and then they partnered with Febreze <laughs> to make Febreze trash bags? <laughs> you want to know what they did? They polished a turd. Like, it's still a trash oh, bag. Oh, my God. It just smells better. <laughs> so in the case of the Browns, they're still a trash bag, they just dressed it up nicely. Like they just bought some cologne. Is that yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, they bought some, they bought some polo red, put it on the shoulders, a little on the wow. cuffs, and said, I thought it "Go was ahead." Axe. Yeah. Oh, yo, oh, Axe body spray. Yeah, yeah. they they did like a, a three hour workout. Cologne. They did a three hour workout, didn't even shower, and was like, "Ah, Axe is enough." That's the Cleveland Browns offensive line. All right, uh, so from the Cleveland Browns to our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's talk receivers here. Cause I think this is interesting. Cause me personally, Juju Smith Schuster is a wide receiver one. And I see fantasy go NFL has commented in here. If he can return to 2018 Juju, where he averaged 89 yards and half a touchdown per game. I'll take that Juju as my wide receiver. But one. See, this is what people are forgetting that Steelers team threw the ball 675 times. And that's not going to happen. They're this year. not going to do that this year. They also might've had another wide receiver who had some focus taken over. <laughs> that's okay. They have the replacement. Deontay Johnson's a ball. Oh my God. He's not Deontay on Johnson, Brown. 2018 Antonio Brown. Same um, thing. Same thing. <laughs> Carbon copy. He won't have 15 touchdowns. When Antonio Brown looks in the mirror, he sees Deontay Johnson. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. That's just the drugs he's taking. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. How dare I? I will not stand for this Deontay Johnson slander. Oh, <laughs> That's my bad. Toledo stands behind you, Josh. Uh, okay. So anyways, 
I know, Josh, you have Deontay Johnson as like wide receiver 14 in your 13 rankings. in my projections, yes. Th- cool. Yeah, 13. He is like, yeah, the Lord. full on. I love it. I love full, it. Full on schlongy for Deontay Johnson. So, Josh, do you have your projections? What do you have him projected to do this year? I have him at 129 targets, 85 receptions, 1,029 yards, and eight touchdowns. What do you have Juju at? Uh, 117 targets, 76 receptions, 995 yards, seven touchdowns. So you just have Deontay just straight up taking the number one spot. Oh, yeah, because he runs outside. Juju, he, you okay. put anybody within two feet of him, and he's just going to fold like a piece of paper. So are you worried at all, and I don't know how much they've worked together, of Ben's distrust of first-year wide receivers and the fact that Ben didn't play much last year? Except Deontay Johnson's not a first-year wide receiver. He led the team in target. Yeah, but hold on. You missed the question. Year, so. Josh, you, you, you missed the question of it's technically a first-year receiver for Ben because Ben didn't play last year. I'm so. not that worried about it because the moment that – look, we know that Ben trusts Juju, right? But Juju, he needs to be in the slot. That is, this is the legitimate only way that he is going to be successful. He couldn't even put up half of his production when he was running outside last year. Not even close. It, it all comes from the slot. So, yeah. sure, Juju can dominate in the slot, but the only way that's going to happen is if Ben looks Deontay Johnson's way on the outside. And that's what's going to open up the slot for Juju. Because if they're going to double-team Juju from the slot, Juju's done. He's not going to put up points. He's not going to you know, run these contested catches. That's just not his game. He is a give-me-the-ball-and-I'm-going-to-outrun-everybody-else. Sure. And something to where, if you look at Deontay Johnson's ADP right now, it is wide receiver 39. He is going as the first pick in the 11th round. And I'll um, take that compared where Juju's going at like wide receiver ten. Yeah, yeah, he's wide receiver That's twelve right now. Way too high. If way we're going value wise, Deontay Johnson oh, yeah. is by far the better value than Juju Smith Schuster. Well, and you could even make far. an argument that James Washington's even more valuable than that. He's yeah. going. I don't like think James Washington beats out Chase Claypool. So see uh, there, and, the, and I don't that, think he That's does. the big worry for me when it comes to James Washington. He led the team in yards. Blew everybody out of the water when it came to air yards. He was the deep guy. But when you go out and draft Chase Claypool, what does that tell you? They don't trust the deep threat that they already have. I mean, he didn't even look that great when he was playing with his old college quarterback and Mason yeah. Rudolph. Well, well listen, Rudolph looked bad. Listen, Rudolph well, got, he Rudolph got hit got in the head hit, with the helmet. Yeah, he got hit in the head too many times. <laughs> but, you know, uh, James Washington, his ADP is wide receiver 76. And Chase Claypool's is wide receiver 81. They're going undrafted. That That is undrafted. Yeah. So, I mean, watch the waiver wire for them. But uh, I want to point out Detroit ba- Detroit Beastie. Um, I think new to the show here. Uh, listen, if you want to hear more things like full-on schlonging <laughs> and softcore porn references, please tune into the show every week. Okay? I love that reference. I genuinely do. I mean, t- Tommy was on the show when we were dubbed the Tinder of Fantasy Football Podcast. So I you- take credit for that. Yes, yes, we give Tommy full credit. If you want to hear more very uh, inappropriate yet PC jokes, please come join the show every single week. We I, appreciate that's my you. specialty. Yes, I, I absolutely love it because I realize that I can't be my uh, Bostonian self on air. I have to be much more subdued. Um, 
it's like a, it's like an old Italian child living in living at home with his parents, but he's like 22, so he can't really be very boisterous and mean. He has to be very low key. No, no one's getting that because none of you are from Boston. Okay, cool. Let's move on. Um, that was awkward. Why do I have you guys on the show? Why? <laughs> I don't Why know. Do I... You invited me. I didn't invite you. Jay. Oh god. <laughs> Oh, good. So now I see how it is. He didn't want me on. It was Josh that wanted me yep. on. Okay, that's fine. That's These fine. people. You know what? I'm I'm done now. These people. Tommy, get out of here. No. All right. Um, I get. All right. So Tommy, since you're the that's steal- how you treat our guest, Joe. Damn you, Josh. I treat everyone now. the exact same. I have constantly told Lauren that what the heck, Lauren. I have told her multiple times. Um, who else have we had on the show? Um. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think back. Who's who's been a regular? John Helmkamp. Helmkamp. That's on a couple weeks ago. I mean, listen, Aaron me, Larson. Me and, we had me, Stoner and just Paulie do not bring up Jonathan Taylor around John Helmkamp. Listen, no, oh, I'm I am pants off for Jonathan right Taylor with him. I am full on uh, schlonging, like I said. Yeah, I'm thought. not even gonna lie, Tommy. When I invited you on, it went through my head. I was like, man. Do I have to invite John? I feel like I have to invite John to keep the bromance alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would have loved it because I, I put out a tweet the other day saying that I would rather draft Jonathan Taylor than Nick Chubb in 2020. I would and he too. loved it. I would too. Every day of the week. Are you, yeah. jo- Jonathan Taylor will have 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's that good. There's nothing stopping him from having 260 touches. He's up. got a better offensive line. The receiving back that they have to deal with, he's uh, Nick Chubbs could actually be the number one back on most teams, and he's got a better offensive line. Give me Jonathan Taylor. Uh, every day, all day. So last thing, last thing I want to do here before we wrap up. So Tommy, we all know that the Steelers are your team. Give me a quick little spiel here as to why the Pittsburgh Steelers and their skill position players of Roethlisberger, James Conner, Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, why should they be drafted in fantasy football? Why should they be on your team for 2020? I have a hard time telling you to do it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact reaction I was hoping for. I, I be comp- I'm trying not to be biased, but we have Ben Roethlisberger, who's got a broken shoulder still, or a broken elbow, I should say, we hope he can stay healthy. I think he can. He's had the whole year off. I think he'll be okay. Juju, we know the upside they had in 2018, but like Josh said, we have all the other concerns because he had Antonio Brown on the side. Can he be the wide receiver one? With James Conner, we see what he did, but he can't stay healthy. Then you see the Steelers bring in all of these other backup running backs because they know the best way to keep James Conner on the field is it's by keeping him off the field. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got to limit those touches for him. They bring in Anthony McFarland. We all kind of saw what he did in Maryland. He's that speedster back. He's almost kind of looking back to a uh, almost like a Willie Parker in a way with Anthony McFarland for the Steelers. I think we could see a very similar season from McFarland this year to what we saw last year with Devin Singletary. They have very similar games. Like they're not overly like McFarland's a little quicker from a 40 time perspective, yeah. but they play like, you know, they're head down there and they're just going to run you over. And I think I you think would love that. If you got Devin Singletary out of Anthony McFarlane this year, given where you're taking him compared to Singletary last year, yeah. you love that. That's a home run. Yep. That's a huge ask, though, for Mike Tomlin because that's changing his offense completely. He's not yeah. run committee up to this point. So yeah. 
I'm interested to see if he's willing to make that change because if he's not and Connor's healthy, Connor's going to end up a steal in this draft because he's going to get 250 touches and he's going, I just looked at it, but it's later than he should be going, 22, RB22. He'll be an RB1 if the Steelers are what the Steelers are. It's going to be interesting to see if McFarlane comes in and does something like that. It's all about that if between yeah. Roethlisberger or Connor, can they stay healthy? If both of them can, I agree, they're both steals. Ben can be a top 10 quarterback, and Connor's a steal given his ADP. It just we saw when he had the 270 touches in 2018 when he took over for Le'Veon Bell, where he had 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns, he broke down at the end of the season. Then last year, he only plays 10 games. So I feel like they're going to have to do this balance, whether or not yeah. James Connor splits a little bit, maybe like a Benny Snell in the rushing aspect, and we limit his his touches in the passing game. Then you bring in Jalen Samuels, who we brought in there, uh, his coach from NC yeah. State, and you see him run a little more outside. And then you have Anthony McFarland also in the passing game. I think there's a balance they can play, but I agree. It does. It is a little bit counterintuitive to Mike Tomlin's philosophy. I'm just curious, Tommy. Where what do you have Connor's projections at? Um, let me pull it up. For me, I have him at 178 rushing attempts. Okay, I have him at 186. Okay, so not too far off. All no, right. we were not too far off on that one. It's just one of those like I just feel like the Steelers that they know that they can't necessarily have been throw for 675 passing attempts. So you've got to do something else. Yeah, I have been at 531, and the team as a whole at 587. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I completely agree. It, the problem is that the Steelers have a good enough defense to where they're probably not going to be playing in a lot of garbage time all the time. Yeah. Even though the AFC North is going to be difficult, especially when you're playing the Ravens twice, mm-hmm. you might have a better Cleveland Browns offense with new Kevin Stefanski if he can make Baker Mayfield a better quarterback. You bring in Joe Burrow for the Bengals. I think there's some better. They've made they've become better in those divisions. It's just, can the Steelers stay healthy? That's the biggest question running into 2020 because there's so many players that are affected by it. Yeah, most definitely. All right, and that's the end of the show there. Josh, did you want to talk a little bit about the Scott Fishbowl? I know it's almost time for that. Yes, and this was a big reason why I wanted to bring Tommy on because as some people know or maybe don't know, Tommy, last (laughs) year, I believe, was your first year in Scott Fishbowl, correct? Yes. Okay, and he finished runner-up. Now, we've had Gary Hatta on the show. We had him back on in January, and I did actually reach out to Gary. I wanted to see if I could get him on with you because I wanted to, you know, kind of let you guys kind of, you know, yeah. talk, and talk and, you know, have some fun with it. But um, Gary, they they record their Fighting Chance podcast on Wednesday nights as well. So, uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to make that happen. But um, So, we big-timed you. Yeah, he did. It's okay. okay. I, 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 you know. I swiped right. He swiped left. It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> you hate to say so, um, but yeah, so we are, uh, we're actually one of the sponsors for the uh, Scott Fishbowl Potathon that they're doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, guys. Coming up in, you know, week or so, or when I can't remember the exact date of it, I'm yep. blanking on it right now. But um, so, you know, Dave and, and um, Tim and I, I'm losing the names right at the moment. So I apologize, guys, if you're listening. Uh, but yeah, so we're one of the sponsors there. Unfortunately, Ryan's the only one of us that actually is in Scott Fishbowl. So uh, I did not get an invite, sadly. But, you know, hopefully next year. That's cool. So, uh, Tommy, 
it, Ryan, if you guys want to go ahead and and you know give the whole spiel about Scott Fishbowl, what it what it is, what it means to you guys, and and you know just kind of your excitement for being a part of it. Yeah, go Tommy, ahead. No, no runner it. up, runner up goes first, buddy. Go right ahead. <laughs> I still hate Aaron Jones for that final run. <laughs> oh. Wait, you lost to Aaron Jones in the championship too? Okay, I, I will. I will tell you what happened to me. Oh. You're gonna get a beer ready for this one. This one hurts. <laughs> On I had I went to that night needing like 31 points out of Devonte Adams. I needed 10. I needed five catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Given the five point bonus scoring that we had, every 50 yards you got an additional five points. I got it. I was in the lead. I had the win. And literally on the final play for the Green Bay Packers, when Aaron Jones converts the first down, that four-yard run gave Aaron Jones over 150 yards. He got the five-point bonus to beat me. Literally on the last offensive play for the Green Bay Packers, that's how I lost to Scott Fishbowl. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's um, a heartbreaker. I was I was on the plane flying back to Dallas after Christmas and I watched on a tiny bit of a delay Aaron mm-hmm. Jones rip off a 40-yard touchdown run. Yep. Yeah. And out loud on the plane I said what the f. Yep. The Minnesota Vikings <laughs> defense Sky did Marshall not show up that up. night. They were ready for Christmas. I I sat there I'm like, "Okay, I have a 20-point lead going into tonight." I'm like, "All right, yeah. Minnesota's defense is pretty good." And then Aaron, oh, you little bastard. Yeah, exactly. It was like if you saw that hype video that Gary put out, I'm the reason he wore that Aaron Jones jersey. Yeah, because he's a a Niners fan. Yeah, (laughs) because I I had people that were giving me, like, congratulations and everything before they happened. So, like, I was getting, like, early celebrated and everything, too. That final, that big run that he had put him within, like, a point and a half, and that final final four-yard rush is what did me in. But... Kind of like we were saying, get back to the Scott Fishbowl. The winning is great. The trophies and the accolades are great. Don't get me wrong. That's not what it's about. This is all about charity. Yep. Last year, the Scott Fishbowl raised, I want to say over, I want to say it was like $62,000 for Toys oh. for Tots. Wow. Nice. You're, what this does, it brings everyone together. The community becomes what we always wanted to be year round. And you're giving kids a Christmas. There's people who aren't always in the best situation to provide for that for Christmas for their kids, and they have to stretch paycheck to paycheck. This year, especially with 2020, it's going to be rough for a lot of people. It's a bad year, and we know it's going to hit come Christmas time. So what the Scott Fishbowl does, especially this year, through all the shirts, that, the proceeds from RotoWare, we see what the, Scott, what the uh, Potathon has done, SFB Avi Makers, everyone making all the avatars, all of that money going together for different various charities, but especially Toys for Tots, which is a big one for me. You're, it helps give people a Christmas that they can remember for their kids. No one wants to be that one where the kids wake up, all of a sudden, you know, Santa didn't come this year, you know? And this is this is a way to spread a little bit of joy at, while we have some fun at the same time playing fancy football. That To me, that's that's the big thing for me. Is when you see the pictures of like all the the toys being bought. Winning is great, but you know what? It is what it is. I'd rather see kids having fun. Yeah, I say I really think, and then I love one of the big things Scott does with it is 
every division, if I remember correctly, is eight experts, and I use experts loosely because I'm in it, um, and <laughs> four fans, and it's yeah. three to four fans. And so you get to interact with people who have followed Absolutely. you on Twitter and followed other people on Twitter, and you usually end up in a group chat with these guys, and it's real interesting drafting against them. Scott always comes up with really cool formatting to where it's not your standard draft. You're going to see quarterbacks and tight ends go crazy early. Um, so a lot of people get annoyed when Scott Fishbowl kind of takes over their Twitter feed. You could not be further off base with that. Yep. It's yep. like Tommy brought up. It's Toys for Tots. It's for charity. And I think Scott this year kind of encouraged people to donate to a charity of their choice. But the exactly. Potathon is still going to Fantasy Cares and it's going to be Toys yeah, for Yeah, I think uh, when I was talking with uh, Dave, FF Spaceman on Twitter, uh, he was telling me that they were right up around $15,000 that they've raised so far. And I think eventually they passed that as well. Did yeah, they, they passed 15. Awesome. Their initial potathon goal was going to be 10, I think. They mm-hmm. bumped it to 15 because of how quickly yeah. they passed it. Now they're they're putting out Twitter polls to figure out how high they should set their goal for the actual potathon. So they're killing it. And like I said, don't get annoyed. And I know Josh, this isn't you at all. Don't get annoyed if you didn't get in. Find a way to link on to somebody who did get in and just root for that. Yeah, that's why you're on the show, Ryan. <laughs> make a donation in their name, but. Tommy said it best. It's not about winning Scott Fish. It's fun yeah. to say you won Scott Fish. Um, I I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must be, I don't know. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you when you look back like at S- SFB eight when Stompy won and like the, yeah. the the singlet celebrations and the trash well, yeah, talk, bring up like, the singlet, old, like, like I had promos and... of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like hearing Gary over the past, you know, six, seven, eight months, whatever it's been. It's 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 just it's fun, you know, and that's at the end of the day, that's why we play fantasy. It's to have fun. And then with the added aspect of raising money for good causes, it it just it brings everybody together. So, yep. That was so beautiful. That was amazing. I loved it. I know Toys for Tots is awesome. I know a local radio station up in Boston always does stuff for Toys for Tots every year. Um, I love it. So. I know Josh and I aren't technically a part of it, but Ryan excited to have him represent Club Fantasy. In Faith is in it too, our editor. So yes, you know, Faith we do is have in it uh, as well. We have a couple people representing. So what draft spot do you have, Ryan? Seven, seven. Okay. Lo- yeah. How many? Twelve teams. Yep. Yes, twelve. That's a that's a nice spot. Uh, I got the one hundred two. I say it's more interesting in Scott Fish because you're going to see you're going to see. Uh, Lamar and Pat go in those first seven picks for sure. And then it's going to be interesting to see where Kelsey and Kittle end up. Sure. So. Yeah. Cause he, I know he does, isn't it super flex tight end premium. And then there's all kinds of other like little intricate scoring bits. Yeah, like you first lose points for first sacks. Get points are the big thing. First downs get points. Um, and then tight ends, I think get an extra half point per reception and first down. So there's, and there's then also there. quarterbacks, quarterbacks this year you get a half point per completion but you lose a point per incompletion and you take a negative point per sack yep wow so you need to be around that 65 67 percent completion percentage not to take a negative hit so if you find a quarterback that's either inaccurate or holds a ball too long it's bad so you don't want josh allen exactly (laughs) he actually took the biggest hit for me in my projections yeah wow yeah Could, could you imagine being in the Scott Fishbowl with those rules when Blake Bortles was available. Oh, oh God. What a draft <laughs> yeah. that would have been. I forget who it was. Was it Sam Darnold? I'm, Ryan, you might know. It might have been brought up in your chat. I want to say it was Sam Darnold had like a negative 28 score game last year in the yeah. SFBX scoring. It had to be against the Patriots on that Monday night game. Yeah. 
That yeah. might have been it because it's negative four points for an interception and another additional two points if it's a pick six. Yep. Okay, we're we're gonna end the show on how bad Sam Darnold was in that game. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me pull up the stats real quick. A, a favorite pastime of Joe's. Oh my god. Here's the thing. I'm actually a fan of Sam Darnold. I think he can be good. But Adam Gase is his head you coach. Adam Gase is the black hole of the NFL. Yeah. He sucks oh, the he fun is. out of everything. Oh my God. Like, like literally, I, I truly think that Sam Darnold can be good. But yeah, that. <laughs> wow, this is awful. This is a terrible. That's why. Stat line. It, that's why it bugs me that everybody's hyping Denzel Mims. Like, just eh. pass on 2020 because Mims ain't doing anything for. Yep. In, for, it was that combine. Uh, Gase this year. Okay. So, uh, it was it was week seven. 11 completions on 32 attempts. So his completion percentage was 34%. By far his lowest of the year. Not even close. 86 yards. Zero touchdowns. Four interceptions. One sack. 3.6 QBR. That's my favorite part. QBR. Yeah, so I'm going to take it that's the week that Sam Darnold had negative 28 points or whatever. For those of you playing at home, folks, that's not good. That is not good. (laughs) No. At all. Oh, my God. Very much not good. That was the seeing ghost game, wasn't it? Yes. Where everything just got blown up. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I was out there seeing ghosts. No, sir. You were running an Adam Gase offense. That's, (laughs) That's what you were doing. Yeah. All right, Tommy, one more time before we wrap up the show, where can everybody find you and your work? Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Tommy Garrett PFN, and all the work I do is over at Pro Football Network. And you can find Ryan on his personal Twitter at the Fantasy Five. You can find Josh at the One Hudsonian, myself at Joe underscore Zolo, and you can find Club Fantasy on Facebook, Twitter. And Instagram at Club Fantasy FFL. You can follow us on YouTube and Twitch as well. Uh, Club Fantasy FFL, where we will live stream as well. Again, if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on 97.3 Sunshine Jams in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, we record every Wednesday night for you guys. We can keep it as up to date as soon as possible. So join us for the live streams on Facebook, Periscope, Twitch, or YouTube. Um, we are more than happy to answer any of your questions live as you saw here tonight. Always remember, defense wins championships, offense wins fantasy football. Next week, we will be talking about the Chicago Bears, the Los Angeles Rams, and Josh's beloved Philadelphia Eagles.